A common sense reality check for both the left and the right. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Making a donation to a cause that you believe in. Well, that's just being generous, right? We need more of that, don't we? So why would any government demand to track who, what, and how much money is involved in your donation? The U.S. Supreme Court is about to consider that question, and regardless of whether you're conservative or liberal or somewhere else on the spectrum, this could affect you. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us on American Viewpoints. What's happening is there is a law in the state of California and a set of demands that the state government has for people who donate to nonprofit groups. I'm joined now by Patrice Onwuka from the Philanthropy Roundtable, where she is a senior fellow. And Patrice, thank you so much for the time today. So set the stage a little bit. What is it that California is actually demanding from nonprofit groups right now? Well, thank you, Mike, for having me. Uh, This case is really important. What's going on here is that the state of California is asking that nonprofit organizations submit to its agencies um, every year as part of their annual filings um, a, a certain IRS tax form. So what happens is charities are responsible uh, to submit to the IRS, you know, all of their tax information as we're doing right about now from our personal taxes. But they also include from their uh, 990 form, something called a Schedule B. This lists all of their top donors, typically those who make about uh, donations of $5,000 or more. Now, this includes the names of those those donors, their addresses, highly sensitive information, obviously. Um, The IRS takes it very seriously and protects that information. The state of California has decided that it wants to start to collect that Schedule B form as well. Before the past few years, it had never done that. And so one organization, um, Americans for Prosperity uh, Foundation, uh, they told the state of California, no, we're, we're not going to submit that Schedule B form as a part of our annual filings for you. And the state of California claims that, well, they need that information to investigate potential fraud and to go after wrongdoings among charities. Uh, so as you can imagine, um, this is a really big issue, not just for AFPF, uh, which you know promotes certain uh, uh, conservative causes, but it's a major issue for um, charities across the, the political spectrum. I mean, everyone from the NAACP, you know, to right-leaning organizations. And, and they recognize that if the state of California collects that private sensitive information of its donors, that information could be leaked online, hacked, and put those donors at risk. And of course, donors would be fearful of giving in the future. What types of nonprofits are affected by this rule? You just mentioned several that are politically active. And if somebody says, well, I don't give to uh, political organizations, so what do I care? Does this apply to all nonprofits or just the ones that are involved in public policy? From what I understand, this would apply to all nonprofits um, in the state. So while I listed some of those um, politically leading groups, it, it tends to be focused, though, on, on those kind of political groups. But it's, it's, uh, it wouldn't be surprising if other organizations and other nonprofits would be swept up in this as well. When we talk about donations to anything that is involved in public policy, a lot of times, Patrice, people think of, well, if I donate to a candidate's campaign, I know that my donation is on public record. So if somebody is trying to influence any kind of public policy, why wouldn't we expect that potentially to be made public? 
Well, this is giving to an organization like uh, the NAACP, for example, is different than giving to a political candidate. Um, Organizations that are affecting change, whether that's civil rights, um, whether that's environmental rights, whether that is, um, you know, voting rights, they actually do have the right for donors to give to them anonymously and for many different reasons. At the Philanthropy Roundtable, we talk about um, donor privacy as, as being part of philanthropic freedom. The right for as for you as an individual to give to whatever causes you believe in and to do so without putting your name on it if you wish. And I think when we look historically, and, and, and we I pivot back to the NAACP because I think it historically we have seen how donors to the NAACP had been physically threatened with harm, um, coerced when when uh, their names have been exposed. And 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 actually a Supreme Court case dating back to the 1950 to 1958 sets a precedent for the protection of the right to give anonymously. And so giving to a a nonprofit organization that advances political causes, whether you agree with them or not, is different from giving to a to a candidate directly or to a candidate's campaign. And, and I think the Supreme Court will, will absolutely make that distinction as it has in the past, and then hopefully also preserve that First Amendment right, which is part of your, your right to associate. That, part, that, that ability to give to a cause is in part the ability to associate and, and the, one of your First Amendment rights. We're visiting with Patrice Onwuka from the Philanthropy Roundtable. So let me ask uh, just kind of a follow-up question to that, and that is we hear in in the political world, we hear terms like dark money being thrown around. Is there a difference between dark money and somebody making a donation, say, to a think tank that focuses on economic issues or education issues? No, there isn't. Uh, dark money is, is really just a pejorative term uh, that's used by the left uh, to refer to any sort of giving to conservatives, uh, causes that conservatives champion. Uh, conservatives could very well say the same of money given to causes that liberals champion. Um, so for example, people who give to George Soros funded organizations and think tanks. Uh, it, it's not dark money. Uh, that's just kind of a negative name that that's meant to evoke a negative feeling and kind of the rejection of the idea. No, we are talking about giving anonymously or giving privately. And when you when you look at why people choose to give privately, for some there is a religious aspect. I mean, some of some some faiths believe that you should not put your name on the gifts that you give, and for others, the, the reasons are very practical and very much related to their security and protection. Um, you can become the target of not just harassment and doxing in this really toxic political environment we're in, but also you as a donor, you may be targeted. Your children and your grandchildren may be kidnapped. Um, So there are very good, compelling reasons for why someone um, should be able to give anonymously or to give privately. But whatever that reason is, that's a a constitutionally protected right. And it's not about dark money. It's just about your, your constitutional right. Have there been any cases of somebody being threatened, stalked, uh, any sort of retaliation from opposing uh, groups for donating online that somebody found, you know, through uh, some sort of public record of donations? Well, what's interesting is Americans for Prosperity, um, the group that's 
part of this uh, Supreme Court suit, they talk about the harassment, the targeting, the, uh, you know, they've, they've literally had people come show up in their offices talking about, well, I found their information online, I'm in the belly of the beast, and I could take, I could take their leadership out. So the threat is real. Um, when we looked at, when we look at, for example, uh, the abortion issue, uh, there are certainly people who are very passionate on both sides of the issue. And with a list of donors could very easily show up to a donor's home, um, wielding a gun the way they have shown up to, um, you know, a, a abortion clinics, or, you know, or, or frankly, uh, groups that have been cons considered hate groups that are on the right, um, Groups labeled hate groups have been targeted. Family Research Council, for example, they've had gunmen's uh, gunmen actually come to their office and try to shoot it up. So the the, the threat is real. The possibility is real. And we've and we've seen these examples. And, and AFP, unfortunately, they have had those instances where their leadership has been threatened, staff has been threatened, and their lives have been put at risk just for advocating for what they think is the, the way forward for this nation. Yeah, I remember the Family Research Council situation where the gunmen came in and they're very, very conservative, but to call them a hate group to me is just silly. They're just conservative that some people disagree with. Okay, so uh, Patrice, where do we find out more uh, from the Philanthropy Roundtable's perspective? I'm looking at an article that you wrote called Four Arguments California Gets Wrong About Donor Privacy in AFPF versus Rodriguez. But if we want to learn more about what you do and why this is so important, how do we get in touch? Oh, please go to philanthropyroundtable.org. Well, it's a long word, but philanthropyroundtable.org. My, right. my article is up. We are, we're going to be covering this issue, covering some of the uh, responses that we're hearing from uh, the, the, the oral arguments that have been heard this week. So folks can get an understanding of the Supreme Court case today, but also background on uh, donor philanthropic freedom and the American uh, tradition of giving. All right, Patrice, thank you so much for the perspective. Terrific. Thank you. Just ahead, the U.S. Supreme Court agrees to take a case that puts the Second Amendment to the test. We'll talk about it just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. Okay. 